Hello, and welcome to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host for today, Emma Sandler, Glossy's beauty and wellness editor. Today, we get to talk about one of my favorite topics, fragrance, with our guest today, Mona Katan, founder of Kayali. Kayali launched in 2018 under the Huda Beauty Group, which also operates makeup brand Huda Beauty and skincare brand Wishful. All three brands are available for sale at hudabeauty.com, plus Sephora, Harrods, and other international retailers. Mona, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Emma. I'm so honored to be here and so excited to talk to you about my favorite topic too, fragrance. <laughs> so very, very excited. Well, you must tell us what fragrance are you wearing today? Ooh, okay. If I'm going to be super honest, I'm wearing um, some samples for something we're trying to launch in 2025. <laughs> So I'm testing. That's what I'm always doing. I'm always testing samples. (laughs) Yes. Well, I want to talk about what that entails. But before we even get into Kayali, we must first discuss your relationship with fragrance. You own hundreds of bottles, I've heard. So to say that you're a fragrance aficionado would be an understatement. Tell me more. When and how did this love story with fragrance begin? To be honest, I've always been obsessed with fragrances ever since I was a kid. Uh, My most like sensitive sense was the sense of smell. Like every time I would smell something, I just felt like such a deep connection. So for me, whether it was like the smell of birthday cake, the smell of fresh baked bread, the smell of candles, like I just always kind of felt very touched by it. Um, more than anything else, more than the sense of like visual or um, anything or hearing. It was just like that sense of smell always took me away. So um, as I grew older and um, became like a teenager, I got even more obsessed. I got my first job when I was 14 and my first paycheck I got, I bought two fragrances and I just like got even more obsessed. Like every fragrance I would buy and even till today, like every fragrance I try, I feel like I get more obsessed, more excited, more in love with with the industry itself. Like I just love scents. <laughs> um, when I moved to Dubai when I was 17, that was like taking it from like love to probably next level obsession, just crazy like fascination with fragrances because in Dubai people use perfume in such an interesting way. They use it as a ritual, as a part of their daily lifestyle, as a part of their celebrations. It's just um, something that's really celebrated in life. And I feel like it really inspired me to create a brand. I don't think I would have been this obsessed and this inspired if I didn't move to Dubai. It's a perfume lover's playground. Like every corner you go to in Dubai, there's something about perfume, whether it's like a little kiosk selling really interesting, weird types of perfumes or the biggest perfume shop in the world, you know, it's like they have something everywhere you go that will really make you feel even more in love with fragrances. Do you remember those first two fragrances that you bought with your first paycheck? I do. And I rebuy them all the time, (laughs) even though now like one of them is like off Amazon and I'm not sure if it's even like real, but um, it was Lancome Wee and this Claiborne Curve. Um, And honestly speaking, like I just bought whatever I could get. I bought it from CVS Pharmacy because I grew up in a small town in the States. So it's like, there wasn't many options, but I just remember just wanting to buy fragrances all the time, because for me, that was the biggest and um, easiest way to just change my mood. Like as soon as I'd spray something on, I'd feel like kind of taken away. And of course, before then I was wearing like Bath and Body Works, the Victoria's Secret sprays. Like I've always loved those body mist um, and candles, but it was like getting those perfume bottles that were a little bit more fancy, like the glass bottles, 
just made me feel like they were kind of like pieces of art on my bookshelf. And I just felt so glamorous. <laughs> oh, I completely understand that. I think my very first fragrance was Gucci Envy Me. Do Ooh, you remember I that? Such that a mid-2000s oh, fragrance. That's the red little like rectangular it bottle, right? It was... Um, I think there was also Gucci Envy Me too, so I okay. might be confusing the two of them. But Maybe it was like a tall, <laughs> it was a tall square bottle, oh, cool. and it had the Gucci insignia mm-hmm. all up and down. So um, nice. And so it was like pink, and then there's another one that was sort of greenish looking. Mm. I mean, they um, have like, I some of them. the best fragrances in the world. They're like oh amazing, yes. and especially yes. in that time, I feel like the '90s and early 2000s, they were like so cool. The bottles were so cool, like. So amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it was a great experimental time for fragrance. So you're growing up in this very fragrance-inspired, infused world, both from your family life, but also from the environment of Dubai. So how did you ultimately come to channel that love for fragrance into Kayali? Well, you know, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur, and I... um, I became one very early on. Well, I was really more self-employed in the beginning for the first three, four years after I quit my job. I studied uh, finance and I started my career in banking. Um, It was really because of my dad. My dad was always like trying to encourage me to follow a career that was very secure and um, very stable. So he was like, you need to study finance. It's the best thing for the future. So I graduate in 2008 and as soon as I start my career, like the Lehman's crisis happens and it's like the whole world just changes. Um, and I stayed for a little while, but I knew in my heart it wasn't what I wanted. So I I went from working in banking to just being self-employed and just trying to figure myself out. So I started my career in like PR and business consulting. And even then I was like always trying to work with fragrance brands. I remember some of the brands I worked with, like I would just beg them to let me do their PR for free for just free perfumes. (laughs) And I did that with a few of them, which was really cool. And it was great learning, super exciting. And it was something that I truly loved. I also worked with fashion and other beauty brands too, but fragrance was the one thing that I was just like next level obsessed with. I mean, every time they would gift me like a perfume bottle, I just felt like I won the lottery. Like I would just, my heart would melt every time I'd get new fragrances. So I started my journey kind of with PR and business consulting, and then it moved into event hosting. And then I opened up a beauty salon with a friend. And that was kind of my first real venture into um, a real business where I took risk, had employees, had, you know, some sort of capital investment. So it was my first um, dabble into like real entrepreneurship. And I did that for um, about seven years, but a year after I had my beauty salon, that's when I approached my sister Hedda about the idea of starting an actual beauty line together. So um, that happened in 2013. And we we launched the brand and it was um, a very great growing lesson, but my whole time I was kind of supporting Hedda with her dream of like a beauty brand, but mine was always to launch a fragrance brand. And I had even worked on like pitches and investment decks early on before Huda Beauty really grew into this, you know, bigger empire, um, trying to find outside investors to create my own fragrance line, but it just never worked out. Luckily, in 2017, it was kind of where Huda Beauty reached to a certain um, state where it was like more stable, it was growing, and we felt we could take the risk in launching a new brand under Huda Beauty. So um, so we launched the brand in, in end of 2018, but I actually started working on the KLE concept in 2017. And um it really, I think every delay has a blessing because I feel like 
my idea really kind of became more um, materialized. And like, you know how sometimes you evolve over time, like the idea I had back in like 2011, 2012, was kind of just like a very like, it was just like recreating what I already love versus like recreating something that I felt needed to be there. So um, by the time we launched Kayali, it was like really taking my love for Middle Eastern sense, but also my Western influence because I lived in the States for 17 years and I have a very glo- global uh, mindset. I have like all my friends are from all over the world. So I feel like for me, creating a brand is is celebrating the love I have and the inspiration I have for Middle Eastern perfumes, but something that will speak to everyone. I don't want it to be where it's like too Middle Eastern where people won't really feel like they connect with it. But I also want to share that Middle Eastern culture with the world because I think that there's so much depth and richness when it comes to fragrance that's truly authentic to to the Middle East. And I've never seen anything like it before in my life. So yeah, everything kind of came together very slowly, like over 10 years. But I feel like now I kind of realized why I wanted to create this so badly. And and yeah, we're trying to just create very new types of fragrances um, and storytell in a way that, you know, the 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 inspiration is showing through, you know, um, which always kind of drives back to the Middle Eastern inspiration. Is there a meaning behind Kayali in terms of the name? Yeah. So actually Kayali means my imagination in Arabic. So like every single element has some sort of tie back to uh, my Arab roots, my Middle Eastern roots, the bottle themselves, like this is um, our classic bottle. This is an uncolored bottle. The ones we've been launching um, from 2020 and beyond, 2021 and beyond have been colored um, because it protects the fragrance better. This is something I've learned over time. Um, so now we're launching them colored, but this is the classic shape. This is our vanilla 28 from collection number one, but the bottle looks like the jewel shaped bottles that you find in the market in Dubai. They all look like diamonds. They look like little treasure pieces so that was inspired by that and um I just love the diamond as well like I feel like we are all diamonds and I want us to always like remember that you have to use fragrance as a form of self-love but also to make yourself feel like a prince or princess so that's kind of the intention behind that but there's so many different elements of of the culture even the ingredients we use like we always try to add little touches of um, the Middle East inside of them whether it's saffron pistachio turkish delight like really kind of interesting ingredients and notes we always try to add that little touch inside i love what you were saying about the top of the bottle and how it has a special significance to you and that you want to convey it reminds me very much of when coco chanel was developing chanel number five and it came to the bottle in the top and it was inspired by a mirror that she had already owned um, so, so there is a very <laughs> special relationship there. Um, so in a conversation you and I had a while ago when your Fragrance Love Fest was launching, you had said at the time that you felt like brands and retailers that everybody was asleep at fragrance um, or for fragrance before COVID-19. What made you feel this way and, and how would you assess the category now? I feel like... In comparison to other industries, the fragrance industry was asleep. And I think it has a lot to do with social media. So like if I compare the beauty industry when it comes to like color cosmetics, um, even fashion, cooking, like so many other industries that really transformed from social media, fragrance was one that did not. And um, I felt like people were very complacent 
it hadn't been disrupted in such a long time. And again, it's probably because they didn't have the pressure to do so. And probably because social media wasn't really active when it came to fragrance, because it's genuinely so hard to storytell and explain what something smells like. It's it's the, you know, probably the least visual except the bottle. So um, I feel like, you know, most of the, you know, big brands would just like do the same thing all the time, create a juice that was commercially already, like the scent profile has already been successful. They know it's going to be a hit, get a celebrity, put billboards up, mass sampling. It's kind of like the same equation all the time. And yeah, I felt very frustrated by that because I personally was a bit bored. I've always gravitated towards the niche brands. And that's probably because they do take bigger risks. They're usually a lot more innovative with like the juices themselves, the storytelling, the ingredients, and even the quality is usually a lot better. So I was like, why are the indie brands not getting enough attention versus, you know, color cosmetics, you know, color cosmetics, which is you know, part of my past life with Huda Beauty, it's just, it's been so disrupted. All the indie brands are growing. People are seeing how innovative they are in terms of like the formulas, the quality, everything. But with fragrance, it just wasn't happening. And even for us, when we first launched the brand in 2018, it wasn't really working and people didn't really care <laughs> that it was a indie brand trying to do something new. Um, after COVID-19, I think that people started to really realize how incredible fragrances are and how they truly can change how you feel. And I think that it was the first time we saw like people start to really talk about it in a really cool, interesting way on social. And I think that really pushed the whole industry to start taking notes and to challenge themselves. And it really, I think, helped push the wave of the indie brand rise in fragrances, which is amazing for us. And I also think very amazing for the industry because I really love indie brands. I feel like they're so cool and they're they don't get enough attention most of the time. So um, yeah, now if you go on fragrance talk or Instagram, like you see so many content creators talking about fragrances where to be honest, before when we first launched, I was like trying to build my database of, you know, influencers to send to. And it was like slim pickings. Like it was so hard to find. We were just sending to like beauty, like color cosmetics influencers and fashion and lifestyle, but there weren't people really focused. Now it's like, wow, there are so many fragrance content creators that's their focus and that's all they talk about all day so yeah I think um COVID and just people realizing that they need to change how they feel just between their four walls like whether it was a small apartment your bedroom whatever like you had to find a way to change how you felt and fragrance was that way how else do you think Kaoli has benefited from that growth of indie and niche fragrance? You know, I know that Kaoli is a growing brand, so I'm curious outside of the influencer component, if it's been easier to grow, to navigate, easier to talk to retailers, anything like that? I think it's definitely um, like it's just helped like this whole boom of people being interested in the indie brands. Um, has definitely helped. We are still exclusive with Sephora almost globally. So wherever they are present, we give them exclusivity because they've been our partner from day one and we um, really value them so much. We don't really talk to other retailers, although they have reached out. We're just, we always tell them like Sephora, we're Sephora's baby. Like we're partners, like that's, you're not, we're not looking for, you know, ex- expanded distribution. Um, but I think that it's just general people just being interested in indie brands has really taken a rise. And it's it's interesting because I feel like, you know, being a fraghead is very contagious. And like the more you get into it, you almost become, I don't want to say a frag snob because that's not nice, but like you get so into the indie niche brands that you're like, oh, I'm not going to wear something too 
popular because you kind of want that undiscovered gem or something that's like a little bit more interesting or something that you know has a lot more storytelling and depth into it. It's not just a whole bunch of people using data to make a decision. You know, there's not really like a soul connection to it. So I think it's just become a lot more um, meaningful. And I think that people really care about what they're wearing and the story behind the fragrance itself. So I think it's it's definitely like people had a wake up call of like the emotional side behind fragrance, which it's very emotional. Like I feel like fragrances are the most emotional beauty product you can buy. It's like, it's related to your memories, to like even your timelines in your brain. Like it's just, it's so beautiful and it's so nostalgic. Like if you smell something once and you smell it again, you almost kind of get it, you get taken away into your, into your memory. So it's, it's so, so emotional. Yes, absolutely. I know that there has been an even more niche category of fragrances that are called functional fragrances that are for aiding in sleep or aiding in relaxation or some other kind of mood boosting property. Um, it's a, a really fascinating space because yes, to your point, scent is related and the only beauty product that is related to things like memory um, that have a direct connection to things like mood. It makes it such a special category in the beauty industry. I agree. I always fight with my sister about that. I'm like, <laughs> like, you know, because she's all about that power lipstick. I'm like power fragrance. <laughs> so we're kind of like in a little power battle. fragrance. Oh, you need to copyright that right now. <laughs> it's so true though. Cause like when you go into a meeting, I know it's important to have your power suit, your power lipstick, but if you forget your power fragrance, you're really missing a big part of it. You know, it's like that instant mood booster that just gives you that confidence to walk into a room and just feel like super, super confident. Yeah. Yeah. It's the last accessory that you put on. It would be the same as walking out without a purse. You feel a little bit naked. You're like, what am I supposed to be doing with my hands? In this case, it's like something's wrong. I, I don't feel that extra specialness because I don't have anything on any fragrance on. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Kay has 14 fragrances now. Tell me about the latest fragrance. How did you create it? Tell me about that process sure. of creation. Do you want to speak about um, our latest launch, Oodgasm? Yes. Um, so this collection is really, really special. Um, it's something that I've actually been working on for five years since we even, before we even launched Kaeli, it was like from the very early days when we were developing the brand, I wanted to create something that celebrates Oud because Oud is a very precious ingredient that's really loved in the Middle East. Um, it's something that we we use all the time, not only the Eda Parfum, but we use the perfumed oud wood to smoke into the house to just completely change the scent in your environment. They also scent their clothing with the oud wood. I can show it to you. I mean, I know the listeners can't hear see it, but it's so cool. If you want, I can show you. <laughs> listeners, it looks beautiful. <laughs> this is a wood burner. Um, this is an electric one, but I just want to show you how it is. This is such a cool ritual um, that people use in the Middle East. And we basically created four scents. Um, cafe oud, tobacco oud, rose oud, and vanilla oud. Um, the collection is called Oudgasm <laughs> because I believe that perfume is pleasure, and I feel like oud specifically is one of the most mysterious, intense notes. And it's very, very. Um, it kind of takes you into a little escape because it's really different. Like once you smell oud and you get familiar with it, you will really recognize it every time you smell it. And I feel like it's an acquired taste. Like the more you smell it, the more you crave it. 
So um, this collection is really, really special. We have the four EDPs, but then we have a matching um, oud wood. So this is the Bahor jar. Sorry, and I'm going to just open it up and show you. And it's been saturated with the actual perfume oil too. So we have the um, the argo wood, um, the oud wood, and then we've we've saturated it with the actual scent. So this is the cafe oudgasm. And I'm going to just burn it onto this little burner for you so you can see how it works. You just turn it on. You could use charcoal or you could use these electronic burners. I prefer the electronic ones personally because I feel like they're easier to use. Let me just make sure it's working. Sorry. I wish people could see like what I what I can show you. So it's just turning on right now. Sorry, because it was charging. But you put this on. It's oh, kind of like think it, about like incense or like sage or something like that it's like you just kind of go around and you smoke your house and it really like instantly transforms the scent so quickly and oh wow it smells so good I can't wait for you to try it we have to send it to you but um it's really something so special and again it's used for so many different things it's used for scenting your room your environment it's used for scenting your clothing it's it's very like it's a beautiful ritual people do it quite often too like you'll you'll see in the malls it's almost like a more than daily practice. Sometimes we do it breakfast, lunch, and dinner to just change the scent of the food smell. Um, but it's something really special. And we're so excited about this because we've never seen a global brand do this. So that's another thing where I'm like, okay, taking something that's very like true to the Middle East, but trying to educate people around the world about this really cool experience and this different way of using scent. So, so excited for this. Um, it's a big one, like again, five years in the making because it was really challenging to make on a global in a global way because of like compliance and stuff like that. But I'm very excited about it. How much do you think about that ritual element when it comes to your approach to Kaoli and and the types of products and perfumes that you want to create? Because it was rather lovely when you're talking about the way that oud fragrance and the oud burning is used through different parts of Middle Eastern culture. And I wonder how much of that you try to infuse throughout other collections or other products from Kaoli. You know, we've tried to infuse it here and there, but I would say this is the first collection that we've created that really takes it to the next level. And it's super Middle Eastern. We did try to make it to where like every scent kind of um, has a different oud spectrum. So we have like the lightest, which is the vanilla, maybe for somebody who's not too familiar with the note yet, because we don't want to scare them away. I, I always say like oud to me is kind of like truffle oil. So like, if you don't, if you've never tried it before, like you just want to put a little dot before, you know, you go too crazy. Otherwise you're never going to want it again. Cause it's very intense. It's like, you know, it's very different. It's unusual. And the same thing goes for oud. It's, it's unusual. It's, you know, it's a bit animalic. It's, it's earthy. So again, if you haven't tried it yet, you don't want to go to beast mode because you might never want it again. <laughs> so we have the vanilla that's the lightest. We have the cafe that's the second lightest. The rose that's a little bit more intense and tobacco is the most intense from this collection. So trying to offer something for everyone to really just try to get people introduced to the collection. If you're not familiar yet, try the vanilla or the cafe. If you're already an oud lover, rose or tobacco might be for you. So really trying to make it to where it's easy, it's understandable, it's welcoming and not too overpowering because I really do feel like if people try it in the right doses, everyone can love and appreciate oud. 
it's such a beautiful ingredient. Um, and it's very like, and again, I don't know, maybe I like strange things. Like I really do like when things are a bit unusual, like the more weird a scent is, the more I like it. Cause it's more memorable too. It's like, you know, if it's something that you've smelt already, it's nice, but it's not going to make an impression in your brain and your mind. So I like it when it's a little bit weird. <laughs> that makes me think of the people who like the smell of gasoline. I don't oh. know if that's one of you now. I do. Yeah. I like, oh I like weird smells in general. Like anything <laughs> weird, I'm like, I'm all for it. Because I feel like, I mean, obviously the gasoline thing, I'm trying not to smell anymore because I realize <laughs> it's really bad for you. But, you know, I just like unusual things. And to be honest, even like my own evolution as, you know, um, being one of the creators behind Kaylee, the founder, I've evolved a lot in terms of my taste, um, probably because of my team, because we all have very different scent, um, things that we like. So it's kind of like challenged me to be more open-minded to like other ingredients, which I think is an amazing thing. You know, before I was like a very vanilla floral girl, like everything was like vanilla floral, vanilla floral, like, you know, maybe a touch of oud here, but like now, you know, just having, um, widened my palette, I find it like, I find I'm even loving fragrances more when I'm like trying different things. Like I used to not like iris, violet, things like that. Even the greener notes, I was like, nope, never, not touching it. Now I'm like, wow, if you add a little touch here, it's kind of like when you add salt to a cookie, right? It's like that little touch of something that was not really meant to be there made it perfect. It like made it so harmonious and interesting and mouth-watering. <laughs> and I think it's the same for fragrances. So how many fragrances are you working on at any given time? You mentioned sampling some fragrances that are coming out years oh from now. Oh my gosh, you don't want to know. Um, I mean, I'd say in the sample like Excel file, I probably have, I want to say at least 500. <laughs> so sometimes I'm like, I have to have my Excel file opened at all time because I, I do lose track sometimes because it's like every scent we work on you know, initially we probably like, if we have an idea, for example, I'll take, um, yum pistachio gelato as an example, you know, the first initial idea of yum was very different to where we ended, you know, it always evolves. Like the initial idea was, um, something around middle Eastern desserts. And then it took a long journey to where it became around pistachio gelato. But, you know, when we first br briefed the perfume house, they'll usually come to us with like maybe three or four noses that they will brief and every nose will come back with maybe five to seven different directions for each juice. And you kind of start eliminating like one by one, but like for every end fragrance, we've worked on so many samples. So like this one is number 33. We picked the 33, but we probably worked it at least 50 times, you know? So it's like every fragrance we have has so many samples and we try to work ahead because it is a very long, I don't want to be boring, but like the, the whole process of sourcing supply chain it is long and the longer you work ahead the better it is for everyone just people can be prepared and you don't have as many because there's always unexpected delays too so we try to like we try to work out at least two years in advance usually so like now we're trying to wrap up 2025 you know so <laughs> that's why I'm just trying to finalize some of these samples that we have um, that we're working on but um but yeah it's a lot of sampling all the time which is the best and probably worst part, it's the best part because I love sampling and trying and giving feedback, but it's the worst because I can never really wear what I want on an average day because I don't have enough time. It's like I need to sample every waking moment whenever I have clean skin, whenever anyone has clean skin and they come over, I'm like, do you have clean skin? <laughs> I'm like, oh, can I borrow your arm? Can I borrow your hands? Like, 
do you have time for some feedback? So um, it's it's a lot. You are the person who carries the samples in their purse and just mm-hmm. gives them to everyone, aren't you? I do that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I love that actually. Yeah. So switching gears a little bit, Kayali, yes, is an international brand, but 50% of Kayali customers are from the North American market, which I find really fascinating. Do you see a significant difference across markets, regions of what the most popular Kayali fragrances are or how customers even engage with fragrance? Yeah, no, absolutely. I do. I would say that, um, you know, Europe is kind of in between the U.S. and Middle East to some extent. Um, We're also in like APAC as well, which probably is a little bit more similar to the U.S. in terms of preferences. But um, but yeah, you know, in North America, our bestseller is by far Vanilla 28. Um, Pistachio Gelato is starting to take, um, they're kind of like neck and neck now. Um, but then Eden Juicy, Eden Juicy Apple is really popular too. So like, it is very different. In the Middle East, it's more of like those white flowers, those intense scents. The, I think the Oud Collection will hopefully do well there, I'm hoping. Um, but people like those kind of more intense fragrances versus like North America is more like fruity floral or, you know, a really light vanilla, something like that. So yeah, definitely huge differences in preferences, but I do feel like people, and again, very similar to what I think happened in social from social media in the color cosmetic space, everybody kind of became very like global, like, you know, like there became that Instagram look that you would find either like the glam look, the soft look, the no makeup make look like it didn't really matter where you were geographically in the world, but people started finding people that they related to. And it kind of flattened out the world to some extent. I think it's going to happen in fragrances too. So I think with social media kind of becoming more and more popular globally in fragrance, we're probably going to see preferences kind of become more merged um, from a geographical standpoint and people just find their little community that has the same preferences they have and it doesn't matter where they'll be. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's interesting. Like, you know, it's it's very interesting. We've only been in store now in North America for a short period of time. So um, we still need to like kind of learn from what's happening and kind of gather data to understand what people do not like and what they do like. Um, Because until recently, we were just online. So people couldn't try it, you know, and that is a huge, uh, it makes a huge impact on purchasing if they could try it. So um, we've luckily gone in store uh, almost full distribution um, this year and, and end of last year we started entering stores. Um, so we're we're seeing a very big change in like our data collection. What was or is the social media approach for Kayali given, as you mentioned, you know, it makes it very hard when people can't smell a fragrance in person. Yeah. You know, we've had to be very scrappy because we don't have big budgets at all. <laughs> so to some extent, I think it's, um, it became a blessing, you know, and again, I'll, I'll be honest with you, like, in 2018, 2019, when we launched, it was, the brand was kind of struggling, because I was expecting to just launch this brand under like the Hoodie Beauty umbrella, use our social media influence to just post it, and people will just go try it and buy it. Did not work. <laughs> like, it just does not work. You can't swatch a fragrance. So, it wasn't until I started to really challenge myself to understand emotionally, like the story behind each fragrance and like paint a picture. 
um, that I feel like I started to find my own flow with my team, of course, like we're all very like, we all get involved together. So I have an amazing content team and um, our team together, we kind of like come up with these concepts and like the original idea is there, but we all build on it together to paint a picture and storytell through social media because we don't have a budget to like go get billboards and stuff like that or pay celebrities and do that kind of thing, which again, I think it's been a blessing in disguise because it's forced us to kind of like crack our own code and become innovative. You know, if we had those budgets from early on, maybe we would just remain a like very slow growing brand and not really disrupt. But this kind of challenged us to like think differently and put pressure on ourselves to like come up with cool content that would make people kind of feel something. Um, But honestly speaking, I couldn't, I didn't really understand this until I did my own little therapy journey that kind of unblocked my blockages towards feeling. So like it was a, it was a journey for sure. What are the other opportunities to expand deeper into perfume categories for Kayali? There's body care, home fragrance, other home products. There's a lot of opportunity. Yeah, there definitely is. Um, I don't want to like, well, we are launching quite a lot. I don't want to grow faster than we're growing right now because I, I would prefer to just focus on education brand awareness and that storytelling with um, people in a very deep way versus just like launching everything. And you just, I, I feel like one of the mistakes that I've seen a lot of people make and um, even like myself in the past, is just like jumping on things too quickly. I feel like kind of taking your time is a good thing. So, cause A, you can learn and you can learn in a much um, less expensive way when it's slower you know, because like the faster you grow, sometimes that means more mistakes you make in like an expensive way. So we are planning on expanding, but not too fast. I think, I think we are expanding fast enough. If I'm honest, like this year, this year was a huge year for us. If I'm honest, like crazy, we launched, um, we launched Yum in, in April, we launched our wedding day collection, which was two fragrances in June and now Udgasm, which is four. And we might have a launch in the end of the year, but I can't say anything. <laughs> because <laughs> I'll get in trouble. <laughs> My brand director here, she's going to kill me. Um, but so that's nine fragrances, which is insane. You know, like we've never launched so much um, ever. So we were excited for it, but we don't want to go too quickly. Yeah, absolutely. In the case of the collections that you launched, when did it make sense to take that approach? Like why create a collection? For the Udgasm collection? For that and the wedding collection, since there were two fragrances. Yeah. Well, you know, um, for the Oudgasm collection, it's a different story because I honestly wanted to launch eight because <laughs> I have so many that I worked on that I love so much. But, um, you know, supply chain, the team was like, you know, let's not, you know, uh, let's not have too much risk because we just don't know how it's going to go. And that's something that you always have to be careful. You know, you, of course, I believe in the product, but then you just never know how it resonate. And um, that happens a lot. Like sometimes it'll be something that I love so much, but then, you know, in reality, not that many people love it so much too. So we kind of have to pace ourselves. So we limited it down to four for this Udgasm collection, but if it was up to me, we'd probably launch like 12 because <laughs> there's so many great ones um, that we've worked on. For the wedding collection, it was it was funny because originally it was actually my hairstylist idea. <laughs> so um my hairstylist Dom Seely, he's a very good friend of mine and the brand. Um, when I told him I got engaged, she was like, Oh, what perfume are you gonna wear? And I was like, I don't know, probably like 
a mixture of the ones we have, the musk, the deja vu, the vanilla, like a big combination of all of them. And then probably throw in some Jean-Paul Gaultier. I love some of their fragrances and just mix it all up. And he was like, you're not going to make your own. <laughs> and he was like, that's just crazy to me. He's like, you should make your own. And then I loved the idea. I was like, okay, you know, I'm a very collaborative person. So as soon as like someone has a good idea, I'm like, let's take it. Let's see if we can make it work. So we quickly started working on samples. Um, and, you know, originally I was thinking just my own, but then my husband also loves fragrances too. So it's kind of like, let's do a his and hers kind of, even though we're big believers of fragrances being gender, gender neutral, but he worked on that one. I worked on this one on the Silk Santal. So it was, it just came together. It wasn't the plan originally. And, and again, the wedding collection, um, it was very small production. We didn't, pr we produced our MOQs only. It was just a test. It was more of like, do people want this? Are they interested? But the, the feedback has been really strong. People especially love the Silk Santal. So we're considering maybe bringing it back in stock. It was supposed to be limited edition, but the community is asking for it. So we're looking into it. But um, sometimes I just want to experiment. I just want to like, try something for the sake of a new idea that's interesting. It doesn't have to be a big bet in terms of sales, but just like to be cool and innovative. So I would love to do more things like that, where it's just like one drop. We're just having fun. Maybe people will like it. Maybe people won't, but just to like really experiment. I feel like also in the case of the his and hers for the wedding collection, there's also potential for it to be like daytime ceremony, nighttime reception. There's a big trend these days, at least in the North American market, where brides will have a couple of outfit changes and it's no longer about the wedding dress, it's the wedding wardrobe. You've got your rehearsal dinner, your bridal shower, the wedding ceremony, then the, a different thing that you change into for the reception. I feel like there's a lot to play there. <laughs> I think I need to make more. <laughs> That's a good idea. I think idea. so too. I think Oh my gosh, so. I love that. <laughs> Mona, it's been such a pleasure talking to you today about fragrance. I didn't lie when I said it was one of my favorite topics. And so this was a great pleasure for me. Thank you so much, Emma. Honestly, the pleasure has been mine. And it's so great to speak to you again. And I can't wait for you to try the collection. Like I am dying for you to try the Oudgasm collection because I really feel like Hopefully it'll be something different to everything you've tried before. Um, and hopefully you'll you'll enjoy Oud on another level with this collection. Oh, absolutely. I'll spritz it in good health. Yay! <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Tune in next week for another episode. And of course, if you haven't already subscribed, please hit that button.